Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson 6.4 Grace When Tate learned Andy had agreed to do the sacrifice, he didn't yell or pace or swear. Instead, his brows slowly lifted, he tapped his chin a few times, gave a knowing glance to Golden, who was driving, then began machine-gunning questions. "'What's their plan to get you to the stadium?' he said from the front seat. "'They're sending a car for me, and Chen is going to be there to make sure I succeed. Then he's bringing me straight back to the house after the kill.' Andy winced as the K-word left her lips. "'Is he going to be with you? Like, standing next to you?' Tate asked. "'He said he'd be watching. Not sure where. "'Do you think he suspects we're on to him?' "'Maybe. He said he knew I'd probably considered going to the authorities "'and told me Arius would destroy my family if I did. "'Oh, and they might have also caught me on a security camera trying to get down to the vaults. That doesn't necessarily mean he knows, Tate said. Golden honked the horn. Oh, come on, people. Does a single one of you actually know how to merge? Cars were bumper to bumper on Paseo de Peralta. It's not even noon. This can't be fiesta traffic, can it? Tate said. Siren time. Golden flipped the switch, and the car wailed. Slowly, traffic inched out of the way. When the group finally reached the state capitol, they saw the problem. Hundreds of people holding signs filled the street. One read, No Nazi Lists, and another, Register This, below a picture of a hand flipping the bird. As the car inched through the swarm, Hands smacked the hood. Andy searched for familiar faces in the crowd. A beer bottle shattered against the passenger side of the car. Andy jumped, and Golden reached for the door handle. Let him vent, Golden. Bigger fish to fry, Tate said, and slid on a surgical glove. Carefully, he opened the messenger bag. What's this? He pulled out the knife. That's my practice knife. Chen actually wants me to go home and practice. Oh, man. Andy leaned her head against the back seat. You okay? Agent Tate asked. No. What if I blow it? She pressed her fist against her chest like she was trying to keep her heart from beating out and onto the gray fabric seats. What if I can't convince him? Andy, look at me. Agent Tate turned towards her. You can do this. We'll be all around you at the event. At least five agents on the ground, three snipers. We'll walk you through every step over and over until you feel comfortable. You're not alone in this, okay? She exhaled slowly, then chanted, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. No, and you won't fail. 
Tate looked at her, steady-eyed and confident. Just keep your focus on the finish line. Tonight, we have a chance to take down one of the slipperiest, sickest serial killers on the planet. In a matter of hours, he could be off the streets after years of searching. I just want you to consider that for a minute. We won't let you fail. Okay. It's just that I always thought I'd be helping fight crime seated behind a courtroom desk, not in the middle of an FBI sting. Welcome to the Accelerated Program. Tate spent the afternoon at the field office walking Andy through the plan over and over. By 5.33 p.m., she had the logistics down. She would look for Golden in the crowd, who'd be wearing human hair extensions and a navy and white striped tank. Andy would stand behind her until the lights went out, then cut a lock of her hair and fake the stabbing. It's just so crowded at the burning. What if someone sees me? Or she knocks someone down when she falls? There's so much that could go wrong. That's the problem with him insisting on a public event, Golden said. If he hadn't, this would be a lot simpler. She handed Andy a piece of surgical tape and a flesh-tone wire with a tiny dot of a mic on the end. Thread this up through your bra, then tape it in place. Tate turned away as Andy lifted her shirt. Frankly, the more important part is what happens when you're back at the mansion. Right. Andy pressed the tape. Can you hear me okay? A headphoned agent gave the thumbs up. Next, Tate handed her an earpiece. Tuck that in and let's test it. Another agent said, Testing. One, two, three. Andy nodded and said, It's good. I can hear you. Okay, Tate said. Any other questions? How to control my nerves? She shook out her hands. Just think of tonight like an obstacle course. Stay focused on completing the next step in front of you. Tate folded his arms. If you get in trouble, just say so, and we'll step in. But then you lose him again. Maybe. But it's not worth risking your life. Got it? The door to the prep room swung open, and two people holding hands walked in. The man's face was warped with worry, the woman's ashen white, Mr. Scoggin, Tate said. Mrs. Scoggin, thanks for coming. Hi, Sonny. Shane went to hug Andy. She stepped back. Careful, Dad. I'm wired. You're wired? Shane looked around at the agents. For what? We thought she was done helping with this case. I'm sorry, Mr. Scoggin. We couldn't tell you details over the phone. To sum it up, Andy's agreed to fake a killing at the Zozobra burning to try to get Adams to confess. Take a seat. 
and we'll tell you everything you want to know. Tate spent the next few minutes explaining the details of the operation and how and why Andy had gotten herself involved. As he did, her parents' faces turned gray and their backs stiff as stone. Since Andy is a minor, Tate said, we need your permission again. Shane glanced at Andy, then Tate and folded his arms. No. No way. Andy looked at him, eyes wide. It's too dangerous, and she's too young. I was okay with her going into that house on a regular workday, just to look around. But this is different. No way. Dad, please let me. I'm their best chance to take him down. Let someone else do it. An adult. A professional. Tate went to speak, but Andy jumped in. Dad, that's not possible. Believe me, if it was, that's what the FBI would be doing. Can we show him the photos? She looked at Golden. Golden returned with the file and slid it onto the nearby desk. Andy laid out four photos. One was a child. Look at this. He's killed dozens of people, even kids, and will keep going if someone doesn't stop him. Liz sat silently shuffling the pictures. Shane shook his head. Not you. It can't be you. I won't let her. Not her. I can't lose another. His voice caught and his lips twisted. Just get someone else. Andy took Shane's hand. Please, I know you're scared. I'm scared too, but this is really important. They've been trying to stop him for years. If you don't let me do this, then he'll take the life of someone else's daughter or son, one after another. And when he does, I'll carry the guilt and regret for every person he hurts for the rest of my life. Andy took his other hand and softly said, You were the one who taught me how heavy regret becomes. Please, Dad. I can't live like that. Shane and Liz looked at each other. And there's one other thing, Andy said. If I don't do this, if Arius thinks I've backed out, he might come after me or our family. What? Shane blinked rapidly. Think about it. I know too much. And right now, he thinks he's got nothing to hold over me to keep me quiet. Jeez, Andy. Shane rubbed his face, exhaled, and sat thinking. How many snipers did you say would be there? Liz finally spoke, her voice lethargic and barely above a whisper. Three, with several agents on the ground, and we'll hear everything. Tate checked his watch. Liz blinked slowly, slowly. 
What about after? When she's at his house? Liz, stop, Shane said. We'll be surrounding the place. Three vans, Golden answered. Liz gazed at Shane. No. Shane shook his head. No, 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 no. Tate leaned forward. What else can we do to make you feel comfortable with the situation, Mr. Scoggin? Mrs. Scoggin? Nothing, Shane said. Liz asked, Can Shane be there? On site and with a radio so he can hear her? Yes, but only in the van, not on the field. And just a one-way come. We can't have him talking on our channels. Too dangerous. Okay, Liz said. Then we'll give permission. Liz! Shane barked, and fingers of red flush climbed his neck. Liz turned to him. Shane, Andy's right. We've lived our entire lives under a mountain of pathetic guilt and regret, hiding, afraid. It's bled the joy from our lives. The dignity. Do you really want that for her? For any of our children? She took in a quick breath. The children we have left. Shane closed his eyes. Liz took one of his hands and squeezed. I know this is dangerous, honey, but we need to let Andy do what she needs in order to be happy. Let her really live her life and become who she wants to be. Make a difference in the way she wants to. At that moment, the sun streamed through the window, catching the gold strands in Liz's hair and yellow flecks in her hazel eyes, the ones that matched Andy's. Thanks, Mom, Andy whispered and gently smiled. Liz smiled back with clear, kind eyes. Shane twisted in his chair, considering. After several seconds, he exhaled, then said, Okay. But I can't promise that I'll stay in the van if something goes wrong. He peered at Tate. And if anything happens to her, so help me God, I'll... Understood. Tate put his hands on his hips. Golden, why don't you get Mr. and Mrs. Scoggin a release form? Actually, Shane sat up straight. It's McBride. My real name is Shane McBride. Oh. Tate hesitated, not sure what to do with that information. Um, okay, Mr. McBride. Just sign here. Golden slid a paper in front of Shane. He signed it with his real name. All right. Agent Tate looked around at his team. I think we're ready. His eyes landed on Andy. Now... We need to get you home. Six point five. Torn.
When the blue screen door slammed, Shane jumped, nearly toppling Liz's entire collection of Virgin Mary candles that perched next to the door. Where have you guys been? Luke said. We're starving literally to death. We got pizza, Shane said, lifting a stack of boxes overhead. Yes, Luke fist pumped. Hey, what's that? He grabbed for the messenger bag at Andy's side and got her hand instead. Don't, she glared at him. Excuse me, your highness, Luke held on. Jeez, Andy, you're shaking like crazy. She's just hungry, Luke. Liz's voice was even and careful. Why don't you have some juice, honey? Then go ask Steph to set the table. It's her turn. Andy pulled the juice from the fridge and poured herself a glass. Orange. She hated orange, but took a sip anyway. She had to play the part perfectly. No friction. Not even Luke could get in the way. She took the glass to her room. On her way, she nearly tripped on the trash can sitting outside Liz's bedroom door. It held used Kleenex and five bottles of Robitussin DM, tossed away, sealed, and still full. Steph was on her bed, reading, Your turn to set the table. Andy sat down across from her and jiggled her leg. What are you reading? Nate the Great, Steph mumbled and turned the page. Andy didn't actually pay attention to Steph's answer. She checked the clock for the third time in as many minutes. Then she went to the window and stretched the slats. The pink metal wings on the Lucero's roof rooster spun madly, its beak pointing south. A bank of clouds threatened. No one had planned for what would happen if the burning was canceled due to rain. Dinner, Liz shouted. Andy jumped, and the slats snapped back into place. She ran her hand above the window and pulled down the dresser key. It was cold, the edges worn, satin smooth. Steph, she said, determined. Steph didn't answer. Steph. Shh. Steph kept her eyes on the book. Last page. Andy yanked the book from her hand and held it high. Hey, I need to tell you something. Andy! Steph swiped at it. Give it. I will in a second. Just listen, okay? Come to dinner now, Liz barked from the kitchen. The pizza won't keep itself warm. Steph, this is the key to my dresser drawer. She held it as high as the book. I keep it up there above the window, she pointed. If anything ever happens to me... I want you to open the drawer and mail the letters that are inside. Okay? You mean the letters telling Chris how much you love him? Steph batted her eyes. Andy's hands dropped. 
How did you... I'm not five. Steph grabbed the book and headed for the kitchen. And I'm not stupid. Andy sat through dinner quietly, occasionally scratching at the tug of the tape under her shirt. Shane summarized articles from the newspaper, while Luke argued the definition of a licensed driver with Liz. Steph whined about the pizza having an uneven distribution of pepperonis. It was such a beautiful noise. In that moment, Andy wondered if she would ever again sit in this dust-stained, overstuffed, noisy reality. She wanted more time in it, and suddenly wished some of the letters in her drawer were for her family. At 8.29 p.m., two headlights shone through the door and into the kitchen. Andy wiped her mouth, stood, and slung the messenger bag over her shoulder. Where are you going? Spooky said. Shane answered, She's going to the Zozobra burning with the Belikovs. What? Dad? Steph whined. I thought we weren't allowed to go to that. Yeah, Luke said. Mom says it's too pagan. I gave her permission, Liz said, fighting to keep her eyes on her ice cream. Mrs. Belikov convinced me that we should support local traditions. Be sure to thank her for me and say hello to Chris. Luke looked at his mother and squinted. Andy hesitated in the doorway, gazing at her mismatched, crammed-together family, gripping the peeling screen door until her hand cramped. Go, Andy. Those lights are in my eyes. Steph shaded her eyes. Shane laid down the newspaper, rose, and pulled his keys from his pocket. Hey, are you going too? Spooky said. Then I'm coming. Wait, me, Steph said. Nope, I'm going to the Wilsons to watch Godfather 2. Adults only. Oh, that reminds me. Dante stopped by. Luke said. He said something about you helping him plan something for the protest tonight. I forgot to tell you because you were holding pizza. He probably wants help making signs. You guys go, Shane said. You're all better artists than me anyway. Maybe call Jenna. Okay, Liz said, faking calm and gathering dishes. Both of you be home at a decent hour. She looked up at her daughter as she picked up the salt and pepper shakers. Andy looked so small in Jenna's hand-me-down shorts and shirt, glasses with plain lenses that were too large for her face. The tools of a serial killer slung over her shoulder. Liz's eyes started to fill, so she swallowed and looked away. Shane gave Andy a long hug, kissed her on the top of her head, and whispered so that only she could hear, Be safe, sunny girl. I'll be listening. <laughs>